0: Loss, a word containing only four letters, yet it is so enormous in scope that it has the capacity to strike terror into hearts everywhere. So says today's guest. We will meet her in just a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Pamela Brewer, welcoming you to this edition of Mind Talk. I'm joined today by author Carol Brody Fleet. Who is the author of several books, but today she's here to talk with us about Loss is a Four Letter Word, a Bereavement Boot Camp for the Widowed. Carol Brody Fleet, welcome to Mind Talk.
1: Thank you, Pamela. It's great to be with you this morning.
0: Now, tell me about this title. What is this boot camp <laughs> business?
1: Well, first, Loss is a four-letter word. It's literally four letters. And just like most four-letter words that we think about, it's not a word that we like a whole lot. And so I wanted to use a play on words to make a reader kind of smile a little bit. Because if a reader is looking for a book like this, they're not in a very good place. So how about a little bit of a smile instead of just something that projects grief and sorrow? Because they're already dealing with that. The boot camp part is that it actually is a boot camp that is designed to help the reader really take charge of their healing journey, maybe for the first time since they experienced loss. And since you know most people have lost somebody that they care about, whether it's a spouse or a friend or another family member, they've experienced loss. And the last thing that you feel after you've experienced loss is any sense of control. And since I know that feeling all too well, I really wanted to just grab the reader and get their attention and show them right away that there is a way back to controlling your life. There is a way to empowerment. And I wanted to start right off the bat with the title.
0: And, you know, one of the things that um, becomes so obvious as I take a look at your chapter titles is that this is really quite an inclusive look at all the ways in which grief can come upon a person and all of the complications Uh that it can bring into one's life.
1: Exactly. And the, the challenge as an author is, you know, really for me anyway, the, the challenge is stopping the book because there are so many different facets to grief. You know, people generally would like to package grief into this nice, neat little box or stages or what have you and wrap it up and make it very clean and easy and one, two, three, four, and you're done. And there's so many components and so many aspects of grief that people don't even think about. And that is why it was so important to have that inclusivity in this book in particular.
0: You, you mentioned the word stages, and it's very true. So many people think that there are stages they're supposed to go through, and they put a time frame around it, and then mm-hmm. they tell themselves that at the end of the stages and at the end of the time frame, they should be done. If they're not done, there's something wrong with them.
1: Exactly. And the, p- the problem with that mindset, Pamela, is that the there's something wrong with me part, That is what sticks in your brain, and it is a fact that we gravitate toward what we focus on. And if you focus on the fact that something is clearly wrong with you because you weren't over it, quote-unquote, in six months or a year or two years or five years or what have you, that there's something wrong with you. That if you don't proceed through uh, these uh, proscribed stages, that there's something wrong with you. And I have to emphasize that there is nothing wrong with you. How you proceed on your healing journey is how you proceed. And as long as you are not coping in a destructive manner, how you proceed is entirely up to you.
0: You say that there are many myths uh, about being a widow. What are some of the myths that you run into more often than not?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, one of the myths, I, b- I believe, is especially when it comes to widowhood, is well, I'm here, they're gone, that's it for me. I can't love again. I'm not allowed to. I've caught my limit. Love is not like limits set by grocery stores during sales. You know, you can't actually get more than two packs of Coca Cola. Um, The heart expands to embrace as much love as you want to. If you choose not to seek companionship again or what, that's great if it's a choice. But if you're not doing it out of some sense of guilt, out of some sense of casting aspersion on a memory, or because someone told you you can't, that's wrong. And that's one of the biggest myths on the planet is that the heart can't expand to embrace new love and new experiences and new places after the loss of a loved one. It's a myth that grief and love cannot occupy the same space, sometimes at the same time. That's the biggest myth that needs to be dispelled.
0: You give us a list of some of the things that... People tend to assume about someone who's in mourning. And I think it was the first one on the list that actually brought a chuckle, uh, at least for me. You said that we wear black because it's a fashion statement, not because we are in perpetual mourning.
1: That's right. Um, it, it, people have a very, a very stereotyped idea of what widows are supposed to look like. And they are always wearing black and they tend to be chronologically older and retired and have 25 grandchildren, and they play bingo. And so I really work very hard to dispel that that stereotype, that image, because it was the image that I had all those years ago when I became widowed. You know, how could I be widowed? I wear four-inch heels. I drink lemon drop martinis. I listen to, you know, heavy metal music, and I scream at the Dallas Cowboys every week. That's not a widow, except that it is. So what I try to do is paint a picture for what what a widow and who a widow really is. And what we are is we're every woman. We are 18 years old and we are 80 years old. We have many children and grandchildren, or we never got to have the chance to have children at all. We were married for decades and some were married for hours. Some never had the opportunity to walk down an aisle, and we do wear black because it's a fashion statement and it's hot and it's edgy and it's you know awesome, not because we are meant to be in perpetual mourning for the rest of our lives. So that that's where that comes from. It, it's trying to show the multifaceted dimensions of widowhood.
0: You know, it, it also as as I listen to your response, it brings up yet another sort of set of questions when you have lost someone who is perhaps not your spouse or uh, you were together for, you know, 40 years or you were together for three weeks. And there are all kinds of myths about how you should behave given your age and the length of time you were together.
1: And isn't that a shame that somehow we have to justify our relationships based on time or the absence or presence of paperwork. And I, I don't believe in that. I rail against it. Um, I've always written very inclusively or as inclusively as possible. So I am an advocate for the LGBTQ community who at you know one time in the not very distant past uh, we're not allowed to marry, yet these are partnerships that lasted, you know, every bit as long and longer in a lot of cases than, uh, than traditional marriage. And everybody needs to be recognized. The relationships deserve to be honored. So the, the presence, hearts don't understand the presence of paperwork. They don't understand big white gowns and penguin suits. The heart understands loss. And love. And if love is love, then loss is loss. So we need to honor the people that were engaged and didn't get the chance to walk down the aisle. We need to honor the people who were not permitted to get married or who, who just didn't get married for whatever reason. And we, we need not to dismiss them. We need not to say, well, you know, it should be easy for you to get past this. You weren't married. It's not like you were a real couple. We need not to diminish the widow who was only married for a a, a scant period of time. Well, you know, I was married for 25 years and you were only married for five, so my pain is so much worse. No. Nobody's loss is trivial. Nobody's loss is small. And it's so important to recognize that, that, that everybody deserves the same respect and the same support at a time of loss
0: carol brody fleet author of loss is a four-letter word a bereavement boot camp for the widowed we're going to take a break and when we come back we will continue with carol brody fleet don't go away you're listening to mind talk We're talking about people whose grief is relatively or reasonably understandable, even if people put parameters around it. You know, I had my partner for a minute. You had yours for, you know, 10 years. But what about those losses that are wrapped up in the difficult relationships where it wasn't particularly perceived as a happy relationship, or if the nature of the loss is such that people are judgmental. Uh, you know, your your partner died, but he was driving drunk on the highway on a motorcycle with no helmet, and he killed three other people. What do you do with that kind of loss?
1: That is, it's actually uh, sadly more common than people might realize. You've got a dichotomy going on. When you've lost somebody who, uh, you know, when, when someone says, well, they deserve to die, which, believe it or not, people say things like that. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a dichotomy. There's a reconciliation that's going on. First, there is grief. And a lot of people are surprised that they're in grief. Why am I feeling bad? Because this person did a horrible thing, or they treated me horribly, or they, uh, they made my life miserable. But They're they're still grieving going on, and they don't know what to do with that. Second, they're embarrassed or ashamed or afraid to bring up their grief because of the judgment that you're talking about. You would be stunned at the number of people who feel in a position to judge somebody else's relationship or somebody else's grief or someone else's healing journey. It happens commonly. So you've got the grief, and then you have an element of relief that this person is no longer here to make your life miserable so what do we do with that first of all understand that there's nothing to be embarrassed about if you were a victim let's say of domestic violence because domestic violence rarely happens just one time it's usually an ongoing situation Uh, if you endured uh, verbal abuse or emotional abuse that also usually doesn't happen just once um, if you lived with a substance abuser or somebody who led a financial double life or, of course, someone, you know, who cheated on you, any of these things, um, it's normal to feel relief that that is no longer something that's going to dominate your life. And, and, and that's okay to feel relieved. What you're grieving for is the, what I call the loss of promise. You know, everybody gets married with a promise of a bright future. Nobody gets married thinking, this person is going to treat me cruelly. This person is going to be unfaithful. Nobody gets married with that, that in their head. So it's the promise of the life that you believed you were going to lead. And maybe you did for a while. And you're grieving the loss of, of that. So you're, you're not grieving the loss of being abused or having your financial future thrown into a blender, or, you know, losing someone who was unfaithful to you, obviously. But you have lost, and you need to grieve that, and you need to be okay with discussing that grief. You just need to be careful who you share your healing journey with because there are the people who are judgmental. There are the people who have the opinions and the insights that aren't going to help take you in the direction that you wish to go
0: what about the situation where you're you you're employed and you take time off from work and then you go back in your view do employers tend to provide sufficient time if that's even as i think about it a reasonable question Uh, no it is
1: it is absolutely reasonable um uh, because if you're talking about your traditional corporate America structure, the, the, the sad reality is, is that most corporations, most companies, most small businesses even, give you three days. They give you three days for bereavement. What a lot of people do is they'll try and cobble together vacation time and sick time. So maybe if you're lucky, you get maybe a whopping two weeks where we all know that the grieving process doesn't end when you go back to work on Monday morning. And what I always stress is that you talk to your employer. You know, they're going, pe- by and large, I'm speaking in generalities now, people are going to be happy to see you back. They're going to be concerned about you. They're going to be considerate about you. This is a generality. I, I, if you're a listener, you're thinking, well, yeah, right, Carol, uh, but my boss is horrible or my work environment is awful. I understand that. But you still need to make an attempt at communication. This is what I'm going through. If, it, if it's applicable, this is what my children are going through. And uh, understand that your grieving process isn't, doesn't end with that Monday morning. If if it's possible, see if you can go back on a part-time basis. If it's possible, either practically or financially. If that's not possible, be as kind to yourself as you can during the day. And, and there's uh, obviously book, these the books go into this in greater depth. But be as kind as yourself as possible. Don't work through lunch. Don't work through breaks. Take that time to go be kind to you. If you feel your emotions getting away from you at some point in the day, take a break. Excuse yourself from the situation and then return to it. This is, it's a baby step process. But it's okay for you to go in and ask that those around you our, our patient and understanding of your situation.
0: So there's no need for you to go in, put your your best duds on, and pretend like everything is okay. In other words, taking Absolutely. care of the people around you. You don't need to do that.
1: I, I, I don't think so. Now, what I, one of the things I do teach is compartmentalizing. And that is not something that comes overnight. It is an art form. But what I used to do, is tell, I was self-employed at the time that uh, Mike passed away. I lost Mike to ALS. And at the time that he died, I was self-employed, which is code for if you don't work, you don't make money. If you don't make money, the banks get really cranky come the first of the month. So I had to go back to work in pretty short order. Um, what I would do is make a deal with myself every day. Is that okay, Carol, I know you're feeling lousy right now. But right now, you have to go to work. You got to get Kendall, our daughter, to uh, cheer practice or religious school or what have you. But at 9 o'clock tonight, you get to feel absolutely 100% lousy. And I would keep that appointment with myself religiously. And at that time, I I would either take a, a bath or have a glass of wine and read a book or sit down with a spiritual or meditative pursuit and I would allow myself to feel however I was feeling, whether it was sad or angry or lonely. I would really just let it all out. And that doesn't mean that the emotions don't bubble up during the day, but it gave me something to tell myself that I can't do this right now, but tonight I can. And for me, by by compartmentalizing that way, I was able to move through the grief in a in a positive way because I always had that time for grief and me to spend together and, and feel how I was feeling without having to, you know, stick a mask on. Think of it this way, Pamela. Do you wear makeup? Yes. Okay. Well, you've seen pictures of me. In my case, you know I wear just about every kind of makeup. Now, let's say for fun that we didn't take our makeup off at night. We, we just went to bed, and the next morning we just put more makeup on over it. And then we put more makeup on over that. I mean, it makes your skin feel icky just to think about it. Indeed. Now, yeah. Now, let's take that analogy and apply it to our grief. And if we keep masking it, and masking it, and masking it, the soul suffers just like our skin would. So just like we take our makeup off every night, we need to take off that front every night, so our souls can breathe and, and be healthy and rejuvenate. It's the exact same thing as taking off that makeup. Take off the front. Take off the mask that you have. That you feel that you have to paste on every day. Take off the brave front. And let your soul breathe. Grieve, cry, rail, scream at the world, be quiet, have warm memories, and laugh. It's all a part of the grieving process, and it's essential.
0: It also sounds like you're saying there's no one right length of time to grieve and no one right way to
1: grieve. Absolutely not. That is so important. And again, what when people are saying, well, Pamela, you, you need to be over it by now or, you know, or they point out how long it's been because, you know, you might've forgotten, you don't have a calendar. Right. Um, what they're doing is they're putting their perceived healing timeline on you. They're putting how they think that they would react on you. And if you don't react how they believe they would react, there must be something wrong with you. Again, this comes back to ownership of the healing journey. Who is driving your car? who owns your journey it's you now if you feel stuck if you feel like i really want to move forward but it's just not happening and i'm so tired of feeling this way we, we we've got help for that but if you feel like that you're progressing in your way and in your time then you progress in your way and in your time. And anybody who is trying to put parameters on you like that, they are not a productive part of your healing journey. You need to be very careful of who you share your healing journey with. Let me give you an example. If you had a beautiful 16 by 20 picture, would you go down to the store and buy a 3 by 5 frame for it?
0: Probably not.
1: Probably not. That's ridiculous. Okay, then, why would you share a 16 by 20 picture of your healing journey with somebody who has a 3 by 5 mind? That's, that's, how, we have to, that's how we have to think of things. You think of your, your immediate circle of influence. Who are you allowing to couch and influence and inform your healing journey? Those people can't be the time parameter people. They have to be people who are going to support you and encourage you and steer you in the direction that you want to go. And everybody has at least one of those. And if you don't, I've got thousands of them for you. There's a whole community waiting to meet you and embrace you.
0: Carol, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, I want you to tell us about that community that uh, you've got ready and waiting. Carol, you said you had a whole community waiting to embrace those who are dealing with loss. What is this community?
1: Well, on Facebook, we have two pages. One is my my page, Carol Brody Fleet, and that is where we have hot topic discussions. There's inspiration, motivation, and over 10,000 people who know exactly what widowhood is because they have walked the path. As I put it, they have hiked up Widow Mountain. And we also have a closed group called WWS Peer-Led Support Forum. And that is for, for women only. Guys, we love you. We love our widowers. But we, we do have a group just for women only because women have stuff that they want to talk about. And um, maybe you might be a little uncomfortable around our widower brotherhood. So we also have that group as well where you can go on. It is closed. It is private. Only people that can see what you're saying are the people that have been admitted to that group. And you can say and feel however you want to feel in both forums, and you will never be judged. You will never be ridiculed. You will never receive opinions that are not anything but helpful because everybody understands the walk. Everybody's doing it, or everybody has done it. And the most important thing that I can ever offer the widow community is not a book. It is community. It is understanding that you're not alone. It is understanding that there is help and hope, and we've got plenty of both.
0: Tell us again the name of the closed group.
1: The closed group is WWS Peer-Led Support Forum. And you just put in a request to be added. And uh, we need to be able to make sure that you are, in fact, a widow. We need to be able to, so make sure that there is something on your profile that we can see that will let us know that you're widowed and you'll be added to the group right away. Okay.
0: Those sound like important resources for folks who, as we've been talking, often don't feel as though they have a place to go where people understand and can hear and can tolerate what's going on for that particular individual and their own particular grief.
1: Exactly, and you know, and the younger a widow is, the more likely it is that they don't know anybody in their immediate orbit that can relate to what they're going through. I know I couldn't. Uh, all the widows that I knew were significantly older. Uh, my I was forty years old with an adolescent daughter, and the issues are different, not not worse, just different. Everybody's got different issues at either end of the spectrum. And the internet at the time was in its infancy, really. It wasn't the the wealth of resource that it is today. So I felt so alone in my processes. And when I began writing years ago, my first goal was to see to it that nobody felt that they had to do this by themselves, because I understood how that felt. And I wanted to let at least one other person know, and that's my goal today. Every day, one to let one person know you don't have to do this by yourself. We we get it. We've got you, and we're going to help you. That that's such an important message to get out.
0: And that what the whatever grief you're going through. It's likely that there's somebody, certainly out of the people who connect with you on a regular basis, there's somebody who's been there. They may not experience it the same way you are, but they've been
1: there. And that is also very important. You know, I would get uh, thousands of letters every month, and so many of them would begin, I know I'm the only one you know, who's ever had this or... I'm sure nobody else has ever had to deal with. And I could think of a dozen other letters that dealt with the same or very similar situation. You know, like the widow saying, well, I'm sure this will be a first for you. I found out my husband died from his mistress. I could think of about three or four other women who had been through the same thing. Yeah. And how comforting in some small measure just to know that, wow, I'm not the only person who's had to deal with this horror, that there is comfort in community, not in a misery loves company sort of way, but in a supportive, I know what you're, I know what you're going through, I get it, and here are the steps that I took that you might want to think about. That's where the importance of community comes in.
0: Carol, tell us how people can find out more about the rest of what you're doing and your books and and all of that.
1: Well, they can certainly visit us at WidowsWearStilettos.com. And also, of course, like we discussed on Facebook, Carol Brody Fleet and uh, all the information that you need about the other group and the books, you'll find it all there.
0: Terrific. WidowsWearStilettos.com. I love that title. Thank you. (laughs) Carol
1: Brody Fleet.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today on this edition of Mind Talk.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure.
0: And folks, thank you for joining us today on this edition of Mind Talk. Mind Talk is brought to you daily as an educational public service, and it is not intended to replace any work that you may choose to do with a medical, mental health, or other professional. MindTalk is available on demand by going to mindtalk.org. I'd love to hear from you, any questions, comments, or thoughts that you have about this or any MindTalk program, so do send an email to me at Pamela, P-A-M-E-L-A, at mindtalk.org. Mind Talk is produced by Jim Brown and 26 by 2 Communications. And be sure you remember to go to the mindtalk.org homepage to sign up for the weekly free giveaway. And remember always if it's unacceptable, then it's unacceptable. You take care.